Get on Team Shaq with WinBet. We're playing parlays, boosting odds, and laying the wildest prop bets. Don't miss another game. Download the WinBet sports betting app today. Sign up today and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 first-time wager on a straight bet or parlay. That's $200 that you can use for all the upcoming basketball action, including the men's basketball tournament. If you bet at least $500 during the first and second round of the tournament, you can get a trip to the five-star rated Win Las Vegas. Offer subject to change, terms, and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Welcome back, everyone, to the That's So Mets podcast, and it is the trade deadline recap edition of the show today and listen uh trader brody always comes through to give us something to talk about here and i know we're excited so i'm your host connor rogers we are now on episode three we are flying this is not an emergency pod and if you missed that one go back and listen to it because we had a great guest on to talk about the steve cohen uh acquisition of the team with thornton McEnery from the new york post on last week's show but joe how are we doing here? How are we feeling after this trade deadline? Do we think it even matters? These are all the questions I have for you today. I'm excited just to kind of recap some actual baseball news. I'm doing awesome, Connor. I'm excited to recap, and uh, you know I'm gonna stand up on my soapbox a little bit. I got a got a bone to pick with some of some of the fans here from what I'm seeing on Twitter. Yeah, I mean it's it's that time of the year where prospect hugging can happen a little bit, and I think. I will uh, I will defend the Mets fans here, and I understand your frustrations with some of them in a sense where, because I've definitely been at this point, where we're a little scarred by Brody Van Wagenen at this point, where you're seeing, you know, trades of, of maybe not top-flight guys, top five, top ten Mets prospects, but guys that you think can maybe develop into a, a bullpen arm down the stretch, guys that could develop into a fifth starter down the stretch, uh, for players that, quite frankly, just never end up having an impact on the Mets franchise. We've seen a lot of whiffs like that. Outside of the J.D. Davis trade, there have been countless examples where moves like that have not worked. So I think there was a fear at this deadline. Now, I will begin this by saying, in my eyes, and I think you're going to agree for the most part, they did not surrender anyone noteworthy in this. And I will run down the trades here in case anyone missed it. Uh, from the Texas Rangers, the Mets acquired Todd Frazier, an old face, an old friend, uh, some great moments as a Met last year and over the years, but not by any means uh, an everyday player for this lineup unless J.D. Davis is hurt. More of a guy that's great for the clubhouse and and another bat uh, at third base. And Robinson Chirinos as well from the Rangers, basically a backup catcher for this team and two players to be named later. Uh, is what will be coming back in those deals. So we don't know which guys yet, but not expected to be anything crazy. And then the other one, the one that I'm going to ask you about first, Joe, is they require a bullpen arm, a guy with good stuff in Miguel Castro, who has plenty of big league experience now from the Orioles for prospect Kevin Smith. Joe, kicking this thing off before we even get into the acquisitions from the Rangers, uh, what did the Mets get in Miguel Castro, and what did the Mets lose in a guy like Kevin Smith, a lefty arm that was expected to be a starter down the stretch? 
Miguel Castro's a very interesting arm, and I, I dove into him yesterday. If you follow me on Twitter, at PSL2Flushing, uh, you could certainly see some of the stuff. But to really break it down in, in a bit of long form, this is a 25-year-old big-time power arm that is under control through 2022. So they have two more seasons of control on him in the bullpen. He throws a sinker that will sit in the 96 to 98 range and it'll touch 99. He throws one of the hardest changeups in baseball at that, which is really around like 93 miles an hour. And, but his put away pitch is his slider. It is a plus plus offering. And I get this from my buddy Mike Mayer over at, at Metsmerized. Uh, against his slider this year, hitters are 3 for 10 with a 45% whiff rate, and he has 10 strikeouts. His average spin rate, I know we're getting really nerdy here, his average spin rate on his slider is just under 3,000 RPMs, which is the fourth highest of any yeah, slider in Major League Baseball. So you're talking about a guy that seemingly is coming into his own. His walks per nine has dipped from over five to 2.9 this year, and his strikeout rate has jumped into double digits. So you're looking at a guy here that, in my opinion, is obviously young and under control, but a potential power arm for this bullpen. And beyond this year, there are some questions as to who's in this bullpen. Edwin Diaz seemingly will still be around. Dellen Batances has player options for this year, uh, for next year. So not sure if he'll pick those up or not. Justin Wilson is a free agent. Is Seth Lugo still a starter next year, or is Seth Lugo thrown back into the bullpen? So adding a player like Castro, who has legitimate big league experience and this year big league success, for the price of Kevin Smith, who I like. I mean, he's fine. He's, you know, a top 15 type prospect in the Mets system, but, you know, not not to disparage, but what's a top 15 prospect in a bottom 10 farm system? I mean, it's, it's I don't think he's a significant piece. I think his, his ceiling is a fifth starter. I've seen him pitch twice uh, professionally in person, and he's really a guy that'll top out around 90, 91, which, you know, velocity is not everything. And he's got a pretty good breaking ball. But I expect his future realistically to be kind of an uninspiring, solid lefty reliever. Uh, could be wrong. I've been wrong before. And I'll certainly be wrong again. But I don't think they gave up anything of significance. And they're setting themselves up to have a bullpen piece under control going into a free agent market of relievers that is not really that strong. So it's not like they're going to be able to jump in the free agency and, you know, sign a couple stud relievers and remake the bullpen. So I think getting someone like Castro is an interesting under the radar move that I give Brody some credit on given the fact that there's there's questions if Brody's going to be the GM next year, especially with we don't know when Steve Cohen's really going to be finalized. But if he's finalized early for some reason, uh, as I cited in a tweet, the Marlins, uh, I got some help from some friends about finding old articles because I'm not a Google expert. But uh, the Marlins agreed to be sold in August, and it was approved and finalized the very end of the season in September. So I know Thornton told us November, and that's the path that the Royals took. 
So it's not impossible that, you know, this approval happens at the end of the season. There is some, you know, precedence for that happening. And if that's the case and Brody may be, may be out of a job, if that were to happen, he still looked ahead on behalf of the organization, despite maybe not being here to see it through. For me, I look at these deals, you know, and there's no panic here, right? I think there was definitely some overreaction. Sure, it's tiring, you know, trading away uh, more arms from the system. But this was, again, it's Kevin Smith. You know, maybe he does pan out as a fourth or fifth starter. But I think what gave me comfort in these kind of deals, and maybe this is to a fault, is that Steve Cohen is coming, right? Like, is Kevin Smith in the plans for the Mets under a Steve Cohen-owned team? Like, I wouldn't say the same about Ronnie Mauricio or Matt Allen or prospects like that that I think are absolutely going to make an impact in Queens in a couple of years. But when you're looking at these kind of arms, I mean, it's no secret the Mets need bullpen help right now. We'll see what Castro can do for this pen. I know a lot of people on Twitter have compared him to Edwin Diaz, which kind of made me laugh. And, and you know, they have great stuff. Control comes and goes. They're, um, you know, known that, for getting that, up the long ball. Yeah, that's relievers, man. That's relievers. It relievers, is. relievers don't throw strikes. I mean, unless you're talking about the elite of the elite, most relievers don't really throw strikes. It's why they're relievers and not starters, because most of them are starters in the minor leagues and end up relievers because. They don't throw strikes as much. Sure. And I look at this. He's under team control. So maybe, you know, at 25, that control uh, on the mound starts to get a little bit better. And you have another decent bullpen arm for the next couple of years here. For a team, when you talk about the future of the starting rotation, obviously Jacob deGrom is right in the middle of it. A guy like Peterson has obviously proven he's going to be right in the middle of it. I think they're going to find a way to figure things out with Syndergaard now because of Cohen money. And now you have a budget that you can go out and get a number two starter like Trevor Bauer. And I don't, I don't want to get full, you know, crazy here and just say you're going to buy every free agent. And we're going to talk about that later in this segment um, from some interesting news that came down today. But it, it just you're more flexible now where these kind of trades just don't bother me as much. Now, the other trades I do want to ask you about because they do affect the Mets right now and while the impact is probably not overly significant especially a guy like Chirinos where I mean he has not hit at all this year and he is not known for his defense at all so it's it's whatever but I think Todd Frazier there is clearly a bit of a doom and gloom mentality in the Mets clubhouse right now and rightly so the Yankees series was deflating uh, the way, you know, the Miami game makeup game with DeGrom ended was absolutely deflating. Maybe I know it's stupid and I know it's like a fan thing, a cliche thing to say. Maybe the energy Todd Frazier brings for young players that are slumping like Pete Alonzo, like a Jeff McNeil. Maybe that matters right now. And I'm not saying the Mets are going to win 20, you know, 20 out of their last 28 games or whatever it is, or the Mets are a surefire thing for the playoffs because they got Todd Frazier. But if you can get a vet in there, especially with J.D. Davis, you know, a little banged up right now, a guy that has a good glove at third, has some pop off the bench, they have come out and said they were concerned about the amount of, you know, lefties and righties they had uh, to split up their lineup. 
it's it's worth a flyer if it's really just about the money, which in my eyes, that's what this deal was about. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I think people are just freaking out because they're saying, a player to be named later, who knows who that player to be named later is going to be? It could be someone that's really good. But let's let's all calm down a little bit. They took Todd Frazier, who's done very little for the Texas Rangers, and Robinson Chirinos, who has done nothing for the Texas Rangers this year, uh, basically off their hands, including, which maybe this is a little present from Jeff Wilpon to Steve Cohen on his way out, uh, both Frazier and Chirinos have team options for next year with buyouts of a million and a million and a half, respectively. So I think I was a little present to Steve Cohen on the way out. Here's a throw another couple million out of your pockets. But uh, no, it, it costs, it's going to cost probably almost nothing. I'm willing to wager that if it's two players to be named later, I'm a prospect guy. There's, there's maybe a decent chance that I barely know who one of the guys are that yeah. at least that gets traded. So I think people need to calm down. <laughs> people were in an uproar on Twitter yesterday, and I, I couldn't believe it, but then I realized I guess I should. <laughs> uh, like you said, we're scarred by Brody. I, I understand everyone being frustrated and not trusting him. Totally get it. But I also think, and I was talking to – our mutual friend Rich McLeod earlier, and uh, you know, he said, "How about these fans? Let's just be honest. I just like being mad. Like I yeah. think there's some people out there they just like being mad, no matter what. Brody could have gotten, you know, a number three starter for Kevin Smith, and there might be someone who had a bone to pick with it for somehow, some way. Uh, but no, I, I think I don't think they're impact pieces, obviously." Frazier, like you said, he's going to be a right-handed bat off the bench. Maybe he could spell J.D. Davis if he, you know, if he's healthy at third late in games for defense. And maybe it's a pinch hit home run or two. Chirinos is the move I kind of don't get. Uh, he, he's graded out horribly defensively this year, and he hasn't hit either. So I'm not quite sure what the thinking is, but for the last two off seasons the Mets have been linked to Robinson Chirinos even if just kind of like a little bit in like a New York Post article or whatever so they must have some weird liking of this guy but hopefully they don't intend to end up you know DFAing Tomas Nito or something like that because Nito is out of options so they need to carry three catchers once Nito is good to go from presumably the COVID-19 list uh, they, they, they're going to have to carry three catchers. I don't think there's a way around it. Because if you cut Tomas Nito, who clearly has made offensive strides this year, to add a 36-year-old Robinson Chirinos, I'll have a bit of a bone to pick there. But all in all, it's, it's pro- two not impactful pieces that cost very little, uh, or at least likely cost very little. And I don't I don't consider what the Mets did as like, Brody being a buyer, per se. Like, what did he really buy? It's not like he went to make an impact deal to, you know, truly impact the team. He he grabbed a reliever with some upside and some potential that has missed a lot of bats this year in the major leagues in the American League East. So, and then they got Todd Frazier and Robinson Chirinos. I mean, let's not act like he went crazy. He just 
added a couple depth pieces and then, you know, grabbed a bullpen arm that I think we can look at for the next couple years as a piece of the bullpen. So, I mean, there's a chance that this was Brody's last trade deadline calling the shots for the Mets. And maybe it wasn't, but there's definitely a chance. Do you think, Joe, that he was handcuffed a little bit here? Or do you think he could have, if he wanted to, could have done really anything? Could have called up, you know, the Indians for a Lindor and Clevenger or the Rockies for an Arenado or anything crazy and said, hey... You could have our top five prospects and Ahmed Rosario and J.D. Davis. Like, what? how much do you think that made an impact here? So, I'm not really sure, to be totally honest. Thornton I, I, didn't I'm really kind of, know either. It's kind of an yeah, unsolved mystery because of the sale. I'm leaning towards what David Sampson said. Uh, he's with CBS Sports now, but he was the president of the Marlins before the Marlins were sold to Derek Jeter and, and that group. And David Sampson said, basically, in the midst of a sale, you're not taking on big future dollars and you're not trading big time prospects. That's just how it works. And new owners, I don't know if they necessarily have a direct say. Like, I don't know if Steve Cohen legit was like approving the trades that Brody made. But I think it's just kind of a respect thing, I I imagine, in a sense. I'm sure... You know, what would have stopped them, like you said, trade all these prospects for Lindor or, you know, going to an extreme? What if they said, yeah, we'll take Giancarlo Stanton's contract from you, New York Yankees? It's not it's not my problem. In in a month, I'm out of here with my $2.4, $2.5 billion, whatever it is, and Steve Cohen, enjoy that contract. But we tried to win on our way out. So I, I, I imagine it's probably... A, you know, kind of a little bit of a little bit of both, right? I think just there's probably some influence by the not impacting future ownership's cost and prospect pool, and then just a little of I I don't I don't think there was that major piece out there that Brody could have could have gone nuts for, like you said, Clevenger, but it seemed like the Indians were trying to kind of restock it their system with a Clevenger trade uh, as they made more of a, a quantity versus quality trade, not, you know, diminishing the prospects they got, but they got a lot of them. So typically when you get a lot of them, there's not as much high quality as maybe they could have gotten somewhere else. So just different ways to different ways to do it. One more thing here from the news cycle that was the trade deadline and really the aftermath of it. And it made me think of names like Lindor, like Arenado. But, you know, Buster only had some quotes on the radio. I believe it was a Philly-based station. I could be wrong about that. But essentially, the conversation was surrounded around JT Real Muto. And obviously, I, I believe he's been probably the best overall player, position player for the Phillies this year. Even on a team that has a Bryce Harper, a lot of talent. I mean, we just know what kind of player J- JT is. I mean, defensively, and he's the best all-around catcher in baseball, and it's it's really amazing the kind of impact he makes. 29 years old, set to be a free agent at the end of the year. And I think a lot of the conversation in Philly right now is, can they get this done? Can they make sure this guy doesn't hit the open market? Now, <laughs> if you're JT Real Muto, you made it this far, you would be absolutely insane to not least – test the market and that was the conversation here with Buster only where 
he references quite a few times some of the quotes were essentially saying that there is an awareness out there that Steve Cohen and his $14 billion are taking over the Mets and that the sense that I got from reading these quotes is that pending free agents are going to know it could be a good market this year because you have a team like the Mets that will pay for the players they want. And one of those guys that could make a ton of sense for a team that's going to need a catcher, it might be the, the biggest hole in the offseason. The Mets can make a ton of sense for JT Real Muto. What did you think of this, Joe? Because it's so unprecedented to hear, you know, it's not tampering or collusion or anything like that. It's just a general public awareness, and a smart agent will have that awareness and say, hey, there's going to be a big money suitor out there that wants to make a statement, and you might be in that conversation where we can run this thing up really, really high and get you a contract that we didn't know existed before. What did you make of this entire thing with only really connecting Real Muto and the Mets already on a Philly radio station? Music to my ears, Connor. It was everything that I was everything I was hoping to hear about Steve Cohen is I think you know, we mentioned it on episode two. Like the Mets are gonna they need to be they're gonna be in on all these guys. When there is a major free agent Every every major free agent every offseason, John Heyman, Ken Rosenthal, Jeff Passan, all, all these insiders, every single one, they're linked to the Dodgers. They're linked to the Yankees. They're linked to the Red Sox, usually. You know, they're linked to these same teams. The Mets are going to be in that conversation going the forward. The Phillies have been Cohen. one of the those Phillies, teams yeah, lately. Absolutely, yeah. The, but now, the Mets are going to be in the conversation. And that's what I ask for. Be in the conversation. Give us a glimmer of hope that it could happen. And like you said, JT Real Muto fits here like a glove. And, you know, the only problem is, you know, if it's it's going to take a five-year deal maybe, and you're talking about a 30-year-old catcher, you have to plan for him to play a different position in the last couple of years and maybe split some time at DH, whatever. But guess what? These big market teams, the Yankees, all these guys, they sign these guys to a deal. They pay that extra year or two. Guess why? Because they can and because they want the guy. We're Steve Cohen, if JT Realmuto costs an extra year, oh well, it is what it is. We want the production now and for the first three, maybe four years of this deal. And I'll deal with year five and year five. And that's what I want my owner to do. And there's, it was music to my ears to see Buster only on a Philly station say, hey, your best player might go to the Mets because Steve Cohen's <laughs> coming in with his money and he ain't messing around. It was wonderful to hear and just excites me to just t- think about what what could be with Steve Cohen. You know, are, are they going to go after George Springer? Are they going to go after Trevor Bauer, like you said? Like, man, I'm, it, it's exciting, and I'm glad to see some national media talking about it already. And he hasn't even signed the paperwork yet. And I think besides the quote saying that Cohen wants to make a statement as a new owner, as a rich owner, and the Mets need a catcher, was the follow-up quote where he said, I wouldn't be surprised if the word out of the Mets is that they'll bid more than whatever the Phillies put on the table. I mean, could we even dream of a scenario 
where the big bad money villain is the New York Metro- Metropolitans. It is like unfathomable to even think of that. Now, I will piggyback off this, and it's something that, you know, it, I'll piggyback off something you say often is that, hey, you can have all the money, but you got to get the right guys. And I think we've seen that. I mean, the Yankees, for how good of a team they are, have had some big-time swing and misses. Jacoby Ellsbury, the Stanton contract looks like a nightmare right now. I'm not going to be the one to say it. It's early. Garrett Cole has not lived up to the hype in the slightest bit. He has like seven and a half years to, you know, fix that. I'm just saying, you know, I I never want to hear Garrett Cole and Jacob DeGrom in the same sentence ever again in my life right now. That's it. I'll leave it at that. But I'm with you. (laughs) Yeah. With Cohen, you know, uh, that quote that you mentioned, the second half where it's like, you know, they're just going to bid whatever. That just reminds me of Cohen buying the team. Like, all right, A-Rod. I'm going to say, you offer whatever you feel like offering, and I will just top it when you do so. And, you know, that's the mentality. And, you know, but to, to your point on, you know, spending, but spending and getting the right guys, that's certainly important. And that's why he's also, Steve Cohen's also going to have to use his wealth to bring in the best front office people, the best analytics people, the best advanced pro scouts. He needs to bring all of, these people in and trust them to do the job and say hey i'm going to give you the money to spend but you better pick the right damn guys for me to give you the money to like i don't want to i don't want to be saddled with a jacoby ellsbury contract i want the right guys and i'll i'll pay what's necessary and he saved 250 million from uh february sale that fell through thanks jeff and you know there you go. There's 250 million more that that he can play with. And I'll die on the hill that Real Muto is the investment you go out and make. And I know, you know, especially a baseball personnel guy like you, there's probably a kind of a rule out there: don't pay catchers these crazy long-term deals, especially when they get to that 30 wall. And you know, things change now a little bit because the DH does exist in the NL and it will well it will exist in the NL by the t- especially full time you know by the time Real Muto even has to start getting at bats there he's such a good offensive catcher uh, he keeps himself in phenomenal shape where y- you he, be- you believe in that long term oh and he's a tr- he's a tremendous athlete let me tell you i bet you if you really want to JT Real Muto could play third base I think so. I would I would guarantee he's got the arm for it. He's a tremendous athlete. He's the best athletic catcher in the game. Like I bet if you wanted him to play third, you could he could pull that off. So I think there's a chance for maybe some positional flexibility where, you know, if you end up you know, we're getting ahead of the horse here saying they're gonna sign Real Muto, but you know, <laughs> let's say they let's say they do, and maybe he only catches for two or three of the five year of the five years. Maybe he plays third base in year four and splits some time with DH in year five, something like that. And you know, the big market teams you deal with later, later, you pay for now. You pay to win right now. And that's what I think Steve Cohen is gonna to want to do. He's gonna to wanna to win right now. This guy has basically never lost in his life short of the Dodgers deal, and he lost sleep over it. <laughs> so, but glad it worked out that it seems like he's coming here and, you know, just do what's necessary to win now, deal with later, later. That's what the rich, you know, big market teams do. 
We'll take a little break here from uh, daydreaming about <laughs> the Mets offseason because we're going to have plenty of time to cover that this year, have a lot of fun with that. And we wanted to get you guys involved with this show. So we took a couple questions this week that we're going to answer now. Uh, this one is from at Mets Steve Cohen. I love that username. What could Great we Twitter. realistically expect the Steve Cohen Mets to do in the offseason, or is the dream scenario of Real Muto and Bauer or Stroman realistic now? I see why it's not realistic to dream about it. Uh, I don't know that he's going to come in and legit set you know the league on fire and sign everybody, but I don't. I don't see why not. I mean, they have some. Uh, quite a bit of money coming off the books. Uh, they'll have arbitration raises, which will offset that sum. But, you know, why Why not, right? I, I think it's I think it's possible, um, especially if a guy like Trevor Bauer actually wants a one-year deal. That's an easy sell. Every, if you told basically every owner in baseball they could have a player of that caliber for one year, they'd pay 8 to 10, you know, $8 million more a year. Easy. Just... If I only get him for one year, I don't have to worry about him breaking down in year two, three, four, five, six, or however long his deal would be. Uh, that's certainly enticing. And from a Stroman perspective, that's an interesting case. You know, he didn't pitch this year. He pitched just solid for the Mets last year. Not great, not awful. So what is what is Stroman's market like? Is he getting? Sixty million dollars. It's going to be hard. Dollars. That's my yeah. I don't. Yeah, I have no idea what his market's going to be. And on top of that, with all the money that baseball teams lost because of this COVID season, what is spending across baseball going to be? I I think a lot of people are going to be negatively impacted by COVID. I think the market is going to be diluted a bit this off season, and you might see us. You know, you might go back to a couple years ago where guys lasted until january it's possible big names yeah, big names big names to january yeah. yeah i think so too and it's a good time for the mets to have a guy coming in that doesn't have any of those problems not to just make this show all about steve cohen this steve cohen that but it it, it matters this year sure it's not the greatest free agent market but is an underlying thing here joe that we're not talking about that two big names will probably be made available this winter. At least one, I'm pretty sure about at this point. Because of money down the road reasons in Francisco Lindor and Nolan Arenado. Now, I will clarify with Arenado, yes, he signed that monster deal. The concern with their franchise is that he has an opt-out after 2021. He's a guy that wants to win. He's a guy that if he hit the market again, he'd make the money back. He wouldn't lose the money. So that's why I could see them taking calls on him. But definitely, very obviously, with somebody like Lindor. Now, I know the Mets have a lot of promise at shortstop, even if you're not a Rosario believer. Now, Lindor is a different caliber player. I think he's 26 years old still. He's going to ask for probably $350 million kind of deal. Are those the names that... As we kind of sit here and go, man, the free agent class is not only underwhelming, but the activity in it might be a little slow around baseball. Are we missing the catastrophic difference makers that are going to be available on the trade market? I think so. And part of that is, let's be honest, if you if you think ahead, if so, you know, every fan listening, you think ahead to what, you know, 
what what could they get in this offseason? What do you do? You go on Google and you type 2020 MLB free agent list, right? So that's that's where you look and that's where your focus really ends up. It's not great. But yeah, no, it's not great. But, you know, like you said, Francisco Lindor is going into his last year of control with the Indians. The Indians are not paying Francisco Lindor $300 plus million. That just is not happening. I would wager on Lindor being shopped and probably traded this offseason. Um, so the Mets could certainly be in play there. I know they have Ahmed Rosario, who hasn't been great. Let's 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 call it what it is. He he has not lived up to expectations. Uh, you have Andres Jimenez. It's fine. He's a good good solid player, but he's certainly not holding me back from getting Francisco Lindor. <laughs> That's for sure. And. You know, Ronnie Mauricio, their top prospect, is a shortstop, might profile at third. It really depends, you know, how much he fills out here. But, no, Lindor totally could be someone the Mets could have some interest in. And Nolan Arenado, I talked about him on our last podcast. That's another guy to keep an eye on. Best best defensive third baseman in baseball. Tremendous hitter for average power on base. Competitor, leader. That's that's the kind of guy you trade for or sign if he opts out as you know a free agent after 2021. Because you think ahead. I mean, it's not all about what they do right now. It's about what they do over the next couple of years. I mean, absolutely. It's this isn't going to be a you know while they have a core that clearly is built to compete right now. This isn't an aging team. And now you, you lose the fear of, oh, if we don't have any money, we're going to lose all our guys as soon as they're up. Like, that fear is gone. I mean, we can only bang the table so many times to keep Michael Conforto here for a very, very long time. Like, those fears in the back of my brain are erased. So this next question is definitely a Joe question from at underscore Heedle. Outside of the top 10 or so prospects, who are some guys you think are worth keeping an eye on? One that really stands out to me is Robert Dominguez. Right-handed pitcher they signed last year as an international free agent, uh, I believe out of, the, yep, out of the Dominican Republic, just had to double-check that. He was signed for a lower bonus than normal. And, you know, he was not a big bonus kid. He wasn't an Andres Jimenez. He wasn't an Ahmed Rosario. He wasn't a Francisco Alvarez. And he was throwing 93, 94, you know, just solid for certainly his age. And then he comes to the Mets and they make a mechanical adjustment with him. He's hitting 100 miles an hour, like seemingly overnight and just blown away. Like, I didn't even give him much thought in the international free agent process. I wasn't thinking, like, oh, cool, the Mets snagged Robert Dominguez. Great grab. I was just like, all right, cool. Another arm. Let's, you know, see what it comes. And Baseball America came out and ranked him as the top pitcher from last year's international free agent class after, you know, that season ended. So pretty exciting arm. Certainly not close to big league ready, but to get a guy to basically improve, you know, four, five miles an hour seemingly overnight, that's a, 
it's pretty awesome. I mean, it's pretty exciting. So he he's one I would keep an eye on. And one other one, certainly on a on a smaller scale, I don't think he's going to be an everyday player at the big league level, but he's super enticing as a potential utility guy down the road. It's Carlos Cortez. He was a uh, the Mets drafted him twice actually. So they drafted him out of high school. He declined to sign with them, and then he went to University of South Carolina. And the Mets drafted him in the third round in 2018. And what's interesting, you know, when you look up everyone's page, you look up throws right, bats left, or throws left, bats right. If you look at Carlos Cortez's page, it's bats left, throws switch. So Carlos Cortez, (laughs) Carlos Cortez plays second, third, and left field. He plays the infield right-handed. And he plays the outfield left-handed. So pretty interesting uh, profile there, how he's a switch thrower, but not like a switch pitcher like Pat Venditti. He's, you know, a guy that just switches when he's in the outfield. He has a stronger left hand, left arm, I guess, which is why he, he uses that in left field. But offensively, not a high average hitter, but, you know, he's got above average power and high barrel percentage. He was one of the higher exit velocity bats in the Mets system last year, uh, playing in high A St. Lucie. So, yeah, those are a couple guys I'd keep an eye on, Carlos Cortez and Robert Dominguez. And Cortez intrigues me because just when you look him up in the prospect system, he's five foot seven, And yeah. all of it's a little obvi- feisty, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, to hear things like exit velocity and to see that he hit 27 home runs at South Carolina and – all the position versatility and drafted in the third round. Like a lot of, you just don't see a lot of five foot seven position players drafted in the top three rounds that often where there's got to be something there or at least something to keep an eye on there. And that is, that is definitely an interesting one to say the least. And you, you go through the Mets farm system. It's so interesting. You know, you look at the guys in the top 10, they're all basically Brody guys. Um, What I personally find so interesting about the international free agent system is that you bring up a guy like Dominguez making that kind of jump. These players sign when they're so young that you just don't know how they're going to grow or or transform. I mean, for an 18-year-old, he's already 6'5", 200 pounds. Like, he's going to be a big pitcher that hopefully that power arm continues to be exactly that. So... It's interesting. You know, once again, you say the Mets don't have this this great top 15 or maybe even top 20 kind of farm system, but they have some intriguing names in there that, um, you know, even though they had to restock this thing, it, it's interesting. So, And, the, and yeah. certainly in the top 10, I know he uh, the person that reached out was outside the top 10. As far as the top 10 goes, I mean, if you look at that, I, I'm excited about basically every player in that top 10. So I, I think they're... A bit of a top-heavy system at, at this point in time, uh, but they're slowly trying to build that up. So there's there's some exciting pieces. There, no, there's zero question about that. Well, I think what's so interesting about their top 10 is that, you know, if, if you just Googled them, you'd see guys like Matthew Allen taken in the third round. No business being taken in the third round. It, it was all a money thing. You know, there's a lot of guys like that in this top 10. And Mauricio and Alvarez are obviously a different case being international signings, but big money, 
a lot of promise international signings from them. So, all right. The last one here from, <laughs> this is a fun one, from at Ernest Dove. Should Joe refrain from ever wearing shorts or skinny jeans the rest of his life? Um, <laughs> I'll I leave that to you. Tony. I'm going to say, Joe, you do your thing. And don't let the haters like our guy Ernest here deter you <laughs> from not wearing shorts. Hey, there's nothing wrong with skinny jeans. Um, my skinny jeans days are well behind me. But I'm going to tell you, Joe, do not let the haters like Ernest deter you from doing so. <laughs> uh, I know I posted that picture when I was in Mystic uh, a week or two ago and got plenty of did you skip leg day and yes I did not I skipped leg day and You'd I skip it leg when day. it never started right it's true <laughs> I, it never started and I if I if I did ever skip it I skipped it many 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 times and I will continue to do so um, but I will tell you Ernest I will not only not refrain from wearing shorts i will find a way to find shorter shorts to wear and you know just let's just roll with the punches man i got skinny legs it is what it is <laughs> that wraps up another episode of that's so mets i think joe this might be one of our last ones for a while where we're not just talking about what's going on on the field i mean we really kicked this thing off with two very sale heavy episodes with steve cohen obviously today was recapping what they gained, what they lost from the farm system, only one name that we know of of Kevin Smith, what it looks like now, and, and rumors already coming out about the offseason. But going forward for at least a month here, you know, hopefully longer, we'll see how it goes. It's going to be about these New York Mets on the field, and, and I won't put you on the spot and say, what are your expectations? We've seen this exact core of players uh, turn it on in crunch time last year. But right now, as we record this here today, the last game that we watched on TV of them was a blown, you know, a poor effort behind Jacob DeGrom. They look lifeless. So hopefully the next time we are doing this show, things do do have a little bit more energy. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, it's not an untalented roster. The Mets don't have a bad baseball team. They just are playing like a bad baseball team. And like you said, they look lifeless. So... Who knows, maybe adding a couple pieces, maybe it rejuvenates a couple guys and just said, uh, you know, it's very insignificant pieces, like we said, with Frazier and Chirinos, and, you know, we'll see with Miguel Castro. But sometimes that little something that just tells the players, hey, we haven't quit on you. I know it's not going great right now, but sometimes that sometimes that helps. Um so hopefully, hopefully that's how the last twenty-eight or whatever games we got left goes. Because man, it's a it's it's a sprint. Uh, we're we're right. it's crazy to think that the season's over over halfway done. Crazy, crazy, crazy. But um, no, it was an awesome episode. I think we covered on a lot of things, and you know, I I certainly want to thank everyone who submitted questions, and please continue to do so. I'll I'll put up tweets on at that's so Mets pod which please follow and, uh, you know, reply to that with some questions so we could get, you know, a couple a week. It'd be nice to, you know, just get some engagement and hopefully some different things. Not not all Steve Cohen-based, not all prospect-based. Let's let's talk about, you know, some other things. So follow that So Mets pod. Follow at Connor J. Rogers on Twitter. Follow at PSL The Flushing on Twitter. And, you know, rate, subscribe. I'm becoming a, po a podcast guy, Connor. Isn't that you how really we do it? You really are. You're killing this. Yeah. I'm letting you run away so, with it. 
subscribe, rate, review on iTunes and Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And, you know, let's let's try to make that so Mets, you know, a, a big thing. I'm, I'm really excited that we're doing this and uh, I think we're off to a roaring start. And, you know, this time next week, we'll be recapping baseball games and I'll hopefully be telling you as more reasons why Edwin Diaz is good. To the early listeners, thank you so much for your support. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your pets, whoever it may be, and we will catch you next week. I'm Amira Rose Davis, host of the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. My white coaches just said, you may not get the scores that you deserve because you're black. It's the story of a decades-long struggle of black gymnasts trying to find and amplify their voices. I can't be the next Simone Biles. I can't be the next Dominique Dodds. I can only be the next version of myself. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts.